pray, and, and um, that's, that's what we're going to do in advance of the sermon today. I'm much less melodic than Nathan or Rebecca would have been, but um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning. I pray that um, you would touch our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we would be prepared, just good soil, to hear your word, and that we would be um, just fertile ground, that your, um, your new growth, your harvest would grow out of our lives, Lord God, that the fruit of your salvation and, and of becoming like Jesus would be evident in everything that we do. And Father God, I pray that you would just, just pour your spirit out on this place this morning. I pray that you would pour your spirit out on me as I, as I uh, attempt to um, share uh, this text. And, and um, I pray that, that folks would hear from you rather than me as I do it. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so... Uh, I have a prop. I wasn't going to use it, but they brought it, and it's not exactly what I was after. Does anybody know what this is? What kind of trophy is it? It is Justin's trophy. I, it's amazing to me that you guys would recognize who the trophy belongs to. That is, I mean, there are folks who can tell you how many uh, runs were batted in in the third game of the 1984 World Series. But, like, you guys know which demolition derby trophy was handed out what year. That is special. Um, I actually asked for Kate's trophy, and I did not get it, but I'll get into that in a second. Um, We are talking about becoming men after God's own heart, uh, and my slides are still not cooperating quite the way I want them to. Um, So I'm going to have to rely on my wife to read my mind and bump them. Am I? There I am. Here. Here. Uh, we're talking about becoming a man after God's own heart. That's what the series is on. I'm aiming at men. I apologize, women. There will be material in this that is universal. Um, but I, uh, the series, I'm, I'm talking to the guys. Okay? So I apologize, women. Um, it's because I'm horrible, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, last week, we talked about uh, becoming... Um, what does it mean to be, be like a man in God's eyes? Like, what are we meant to be? And we talked about becoming like Jesus and um, how God's desire, God's design for us was to be sort of this, this standard. And, and um, to, you know, Jesus gives us this great example to follow, and he gives us all these, you know, the ability, and he dies for our sins, so we're, like, able to overcome. Um, but as we kind of dive into it, I'm going to say that's a huge task, Right? You know what, I mean, if you were to ask my wife, what do you want in a husband? And she were to turn around and say, I want him to be like Jesus. All right, well, that, I just have to be perfect, right? Selfless, wise, brilliant. I mean, like, I just got to do that. That's all. Um, divine. Um, I, I, I'm not going to manage that, right? It, it's funny that you all didn't start laughing about me being anything until I said divine. Um, so, so as, as we dive into this, we're going to look at the, sort of the, the first standard as to what it means to become a man after God's own heart, right? But we're also going to look at the basic mechanism for accomplishing the task. Everybody with me? Nobody's walked out yet, so I'm on the right path. The snoring hasn't started. Um, can you bump me forward one? Uh, two years ago, the, uh, the... Oh, one more. Sorry. We'll come back to that one. How did I... My slide didn't go up. It didn't go through. That's awful. Um, I had three photographs of Kate with a very small car. Who remembers it? Who was there? Oh, I, I want it now. Um, Kate, uh, Kate won a trophy very similar to this. 
Um, hers is actually taller than her because she's like three feet tall. Um, and she had this, <laughs> this tiny little car, and she won the Herbie Derby, right? And, and um, I, I mean, it was, it was impressive. It was great, wasn't it? Um, but there was something very crazy that happened. Anybody know what happened while Kate was trying to win the Herbie Derby? Her car malfunctioned, and not in a little way. Um, actually, no, it was a cable that broke, wasn't it? It was a minor malfunction. It was a cable that broke, but it was the cable that operated the throttle. And so Kate was idling the whole time, unable to press the gas and move forward, a feature that should be installed in every teenager's car ever. <laughs> Trusty. Um, the <laughs> um, and so she would idle around, and these cars are zipping all around her, and she's just kind of trucking along, and every once in a while there'd be kind of this, like, dink, you know, <laughs> Kate, like, makes an impact, you know, and, and she'd back up and dink, you know, <laughs> another impact. And I think all the other cars actually wore themselves out. Isn't that what happened? The other cars got stuck in, you know, on the berm and broken down and on fire and everything, and Kate <laughs> just drifted along, you know, just puttered along because she could not hit the gas pedal, right? Like she could not hit the gas pedal um, or the gas pedal wouldn't cooperate. And, and she won this great trophy and there was cheering and it was this great like moment. Um, but there was, I mean, when you go to a demolition derby, what do you go to see? Smash. That's what my boy says. He says, uh, smash, right? And he loves, loved the demolition derby his first time out. He continues to love it. Do I have it up? Yep. There's Kate with her trophy. Um, and, and, um, so as we, like, as we go forward, I'm going to kind of come back to Kate over and over again because it would have been a lot more exciting. She would have been a much more effective competitor if she could have pressed the gas. <laughs> um, as we talk about following God, as we talk about becoming men after God's own heart, as we talk about becoming something different, right, something better, as we talk about the work that Jesus does inside us, the number one and hear me out here, right? The number one thing that is going to help that happen is approaching God and talking to him. Understand? Prayer is far and away the throttle cable in spiritual life. It just is. We accomplish more when God is on our side and God is helping us and God is doing the work than we ever, ever, ever can on our own. Um, man, if I were to take the skill saw blade out of my chop saw and use it to, like an axe, chop through lumber, how long is it going to take me to get anything done? A long time, right? If I put wood underneath it and slam it up and down like over and over again, I might cut my hand. But, um, but I, I, I'm not going to build a house. It doesn't work until you plug it in and you hit the, you hit the button and it spins, right? That power is what makes it accomplish. Um, on our own, on our own, we are like that. Actually, I had another analogy I wanted to share. I, uh, I was on YouTube the other day. I was searching, and I, I watched a video of one of those World's Strongest Man competitions. You ever seen that? And then this guy pulling 18-wheelers. Like he pulled a pair of 18-wheelers. They didn't have trailers. He was pulling the trucks. And then I thought, I wonder if anybody has ever like filmed themselves pulling a combine. As a matter of fact, they haven't. Do you know why? Combines are heavy. I, I looked it up like 30,000 pounds. Does that sound right? Um, if you were to push your combine through the field to do your harvesting, 
how much harvesting would you get done? <laughs> Little to none, right? The harvest that God puts before us, he needs to be a part of it, right? He needs to be a part of it. Last week we talked about the GPS and steering. Remember, those of y'all who are here? Otherwise it's online, you can listen to it. The GPS, where God steers us and gets us where we're going. In this instance, we're talking about the motor itself, the thing that moves us forward. Um, the thing that makes it so we're not making these minor victories, you know, barely. I mean, I've had worse hits in supermarket parking lots um, than what Kate inflicted on most of those demolition derby cars, right? Um, we're talking about the real real deal. And God answers prayer. We're going to look at um, the book of Ephesians today. I am not having any... Ah, here's our background. We've talked about men after our, uh, God's own heart. Um, last week, we talked a little bit about David and Solomon. We're going to get to them eventually. David was the second king of Israel. He was referred to as a man after God's own heart. He was next level kind of awesome, right? Um, because he behaved? <laughs> yeah, except for like sleeping with his neighbor's wife, and then murdering her husband. and I mean, like he wasn't perfect, but David was a man who learned to pray, right? And David was a man who believed that God would take care of him when the time came. You know, he faced Goliath not because he had great confidence or stood up to the bully or anything like that. He did it because he knew God would take care of him, right? Because he prayed about it, and he did what he thought God wanted him to do. Um, at the end of the day, like, like the story of David is often the story of a man who is passionate about doing what God wants and about praying, right? Book of Psalms. Anybody seen that one? You open right to the middle. It's 160-some-odd like prayers and songs that David wrote. Um, he's a man who was unbelievably wealthy and had hundreds of wives, which is probably why he prayed so much. Um, wealth and power and everything else, and the man like wrote songs to pray to God on like a very regular basis. He's a man of profound spiritual depth, whereas Samson was like an action hero, wasn't he? Strong, tough, beat up crowds of guys by himself. He was practice, like he was, he was a one-man wrecking crew kind of thing. But Samson failed over and over again because he did things on his own. And he ignored God's hand in his life. He ignored God's directions on him. He ignored, like, the only times we see, we see Samson praying very seldomly. And one of the only times he prays is when he actually manages to do something. Um, and so, um, as we go forward, we're talking about becoming people like David, not people who do nothing, not people who are, um, people who accomplish and people who are, are men who, you know, accomplish and do things and do great things, but they do it because God is with them. Okay. The passage we're looking at, we're going to be in first Timothy. I absolutely am frustrated. Um, first of all. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, who's a pastor in a church, right? And this church is having a problem, or four. Um, they've got some false teachers who are um, sort of creating chaos. And one of the bits of chaos, and, and we're not going to talk about this as much today, but I'm going to touch on it. Um, these teachers were saying, well, women, if we're free in Christ, right, and we are equal to men, which is also something that the scriptures tell us, like now, you know, there's neither Jew nor, you know, Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free. We're all one in Jesus Christ. Like so, and the women had come up and they said, well, you know what? Um, 
I, 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 uh, I, I think because I'm free, because I can do what I want, I, uh, I'm going to watch YouTube videos in church, and I'm going to dress however I feel like it. And so they had women who were actually dressing like prostitutes to show up to church, like, <laughs> which is quite a decision, right? And they, so they were, they were dressing up, and they looked pretty, I'm sure, exciting and, and all this. But like, like Paul kind of writes and says, well, wait a minute, slow down. Try not to dress like a prostitute. Not okay. Um, if you don't know what that word means, you can ask Rebecca afterwards. She'll tell you. She's sitting right next to you, like, making faces, so I figured I'd pick on you. Um, <laughs> um, for men, he gives a very simple set of instructions, and they all relate to prayer. Um, this is more of a universal suggestion, but he says, first of all, so he's talked about these heretics, and then he responds, the very first thing I want you to do, of first importance, the most important thing for you to do is, um, is to pray. Like, he doesn't tell them, I want you to go out and I want you to, you know, convert. I want you to kick, the, kick the, the, the tar out of these bad guys in your church and chase them off. He doesn't tell them, you know, be sure to start up extra classes so people know. He doesn't say, give extra money. He doesn't say, I mean, there's a whole list of things he could suggest. But he starts with prayer. He says, guys, pray. Gather up and pray. Um, and the reason he does that is because it's, it's kind of the motor in the whole thing, Right? We accomplish more through prayer than we do on our own. We accomplish more because, like, honestly, the church carries a lot of baggage in our culture. People look at the church and they say, wait a minute, I've got to follow your rules? Wait a minute, I can't do whatever I want? Wait a minute, what about all the hypocrites in the past? What about all this? And we have all this weight that we're pushing to try and share the gospel and try to do the work and try to, like, convince people of the truth of, of what we live, right? And we have our own baggage, that we carry, our own sin, our own past, our own problems, everything as we try to become like Jesus. And prayer is sort of like just turning the engine on and moving forward, right? You make a difference when you're able to do that. Um, And so this is where Paul starts. He says, pray. And he starts with supplications. This is a funny word. It means um, to pray for something you are lacking spiritually, right? As Paul is using it here, he's saying, listen, if you are in a place where you are not effective spiritually, you need to pray. You need to ask God. I've watched so many Christians in my life who will say, yeah, I struggle with this. I just need to try harder. Well, yeah, kind of, but you also need to talk to God about it, right? I've watched Christians who say, well, I struggle with this area of my life. I I knew a guy in Indiana. I I counseled him for a while. He was struggling with, uh, with pornography addiction. He was addicted to internet pornography, and he he, he just began to take things out of his life. He said, I won't own a computer. I won't own a television. I won't read magazines. I won't, you know, live where I'm not being babysat by my family all the time. I will. And he started just like everything away from his life. He built the biggest hedge and wall that he possibly could. And guess what? It didn't work. Why didn't it work? It didn't work because he still, like, had this thing in his life, this sin, this, like, like stronghold that he couldn't overcome, right? And he couldn't un- overcome it on his own because, um, because we're fallen, right? We live and act and strive to be better before God with his assistance and his aid. Jesus died for our sins to cleanse us, gentlemen. He laid down his life to make us right before God. Um, and then he assists us in the process of becoming what we were meant to be, of cleaning up our yard, so to speak, 
Um, and so supplications is literally asking God, God, this is what I need spiritually. Sometimes it's wisdom. I have conversations. And actually, this is probably worth noting. Um, I read a study the Barna Group did. The average pastor, anybody want to guess how, many, how long the average pastor prays a day? How, how, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's <laughs> say it loud. Ten minutes. Who thinks it's ten? Five. Who thinks it's five? I got one five. Wow, you all think little of me, do you? Uh, three. The average pastor prays three minutes a day. Three minutes a day. Um, guess what's missing? Um, and the reality is that, frankly, we're busy. Um, I can offer an excuse. Uh, I know I only work. <laughs> yeah, I should become a farmer. They only have to work three months a year. Um, <laughs> I I was going to ask uh, O'Neill to protect me in the parking lot, but he's a farmer too. I'm in trouble. I, uh, <laughs> Um, he says, uh, the, the reality is, the reality is that first off, we don't put enough stock in it. And the reason that like ministers struggle sometimes is because we don't go to God enough. We try to do it on our own because we convince ourselves I can do it. I had a class in, in seminary where the whole thing was about learning to pray for long periods of time and disciplining yourself to do it. Right. And, and honestly, during that class, I was given assignments Pick something to pray for and pray for it and write a paper on it. And I was astounded at the things that happened when I prayed regularly. I was astounded. And actually, it made me a believer in prayer until I like, got busy and stopped praying. And then I, I, it's funny. It's hard to do, isn't it? Because honestly, I, I'm going to blame this on being a man and a sinner. But like as a man, there's a part of me that looks at things and says, I should be able to do this myself. Anybody else in that boat? I'm there, man. I want to do it myself. I want to be a better husband. I want to be, um, you know, I want to, I want to be a godly man. I want all of these things, but I want to do it myself. But the reality is, first off, that that's not what Scripture teaches. And secondly, like, if we even got great at it, we would spend so much time and energy doing it, we would collapse in other areas. And then the third problem is that we'd have to hide sin all the time so nobody knew that we were <laughs> really not being perfect. It's just not possible. If you want to be a man after God's own heart, supplication, praying, asking for spiritual help is the only way to do it. It is the only way to do it. Um, and, and being honest about it. Honestly, I'm going to toss this in. Denver was a pastor. He's a good friend of ours. I call him for advice periodically. He one day was standing up. He was reading James. I think he was preaching in James. And he said, guys, I want to tell you, 50% of the time when I say that I'm going to pray for something, I'm lying. I'm not saying that. But he said, you know, 50%, I'm, I'm lying. I say I'm going to do it and I forget. Or I say I'm going to do it and honestly I don't pray that much and so it's hard for me to do this. Or I say this and, I mean, and it's a hard thing to acknowledge. Um, but it's kind of a reality. Prayer is hard. Um, but lack of prayer will turn into a lack of spiritual life and a lack of growth. Honestly, a lack of love for people that we're supposed to love, a lack of, of heart. Um, prayers refers to, I mean, literally just praying to asking, this is what I need, right? Saying, God, this is what I need. Um, when we struggle, when we stretch, when we strain, and we turn around and say, God, this is what I need help with. I need help with paying my bills. Anybody have that problem? God, I need help with paying my bills. And it's easier to worry about it than to talk to God. 
right? Um, other areas where we do this, we do this in relation to our spouse. God, my spouse is driving me crazy. Am I the only one who, I don't actually say that. <laughs> um, God, can you please, like, do this? Or, you know, my wife's struggling with sleep. I say, God, please help my wife sleep. God, please help me, my wife sleep. Because my normal solution is to say, honey, let me come up with 105 suggestions. Because I'm a guy. Right? Um, and in reality, like, praying for is just the best thing I could possibly do. Um, intercession means praying for other folks. Um, taking the time to say, God, this person is somebody I'm worrying about. It's funny, um, a little while ago I started praying for individuals that I was, I was um, thinking, well, I've got to deal with this or I've got to talk to this, about this person. And the craziest thing happened, like, I, I, like God does stuff. I hate doing sermons this way. I'm breaking one of my own cardinal rules. And I, I'm sorry, guys. Um, but the reality is prayer is effective. Um, and it, it, it's effective because God does the work for us. He is the motor in spiritual life. Um, does it mean sometimes God doesn't act? Sometimes God doesn't act, guys. Sorry. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he does. But praying for other people is supplication. So Paul says, pray for your spiritual need. Pray for your physical need. Ask for God to aid other people and say thank you. Um, Anybody ever just stop and just say, God, thank you for this? And every morning I wake up, I try to stop, and I try to look to the left as I'm walking out of my driveway at the Bear Palm Mountains, and I try to say, God, thank you for putting me here, right? That was the biggest fear I had with moving here, and I talked to Rebecca about this, actually. I, I said, if I raise my daughter here, will she stop noticing Montana? I don't want to raise my daughter in a place where she will not thank God every day that she lives here. Um, but it's easy to take it for granted, right? It's easy to pick up your kids and say, hey, my kids are, like, wonderful, and not say, thank you, God, that my kids are healthy, right? It's easy to say, well, thank you that my bills are paid, and not say, God, thank you that I have a house. Thank you that I have somewhere to live. God, thank you that I have something to eat. God, thank you that I, you know, am forgiven by Jesus, that I'm saved. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But in reality, we are... We're like, what is it? I, I read about um, Mother Teresa where for, in the beginning of her ministry she would like walk the streets of Calcutta and pick up people out of the gutter who were dying and bring them home and, and tend to them, right? How much of a thank you to say to that lady? Hey, thanks for pulling me out of the ditch and helping me. I mean, that's the attitude we need to have toward God because honestly we have what we have and we're gifted with what we're gifted with because God takes care of us. Um, and honestly, a man after God's own heart is a man who backs up and says, thank you. God, thank you. Um, Thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high position, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I'm going slow, guys. I'm sorry. It'll pick up after this. Um, he says, listen, when you pray, who are you supposed to pray for? Yes, pray to God and pray for kings, people in authority. Anybody pray for your congressman on a daily basis? (laughs) Actually, anybody pray that God do nice things for your congressman? (laughs) Kidding. Um, It's hard to pray for folks that maybe you don't agree with, right? It's hard to pray for folks that, like, maybe you don't want to stand on the same, you know, same street as them because they might get struck by lightning. It's hard to pray for folks that are, that are the enemy in our political position, isn't it? 
Um, but Paul says, listen, you need to pray for everyone. And actually, like he says it, all people. Pray for your enemies. Pray for the ones you love. Pray for leaders. Pray for authorities. Pray for everyone. Why? Because that's part of how we learn to love folks. I did not learn to love the most obnoxious people in my life until I started praying for them on a daily basis. And then this crazy thing happened. There's a part of me that hates people. And that part of me, like, is awake most of the time. And that part of me began to, like, sort of lose control. And the rest of me, like the Jesus part of me, began to do the right thing. And begin to care about people I don't even like. Or people that I want to grind my teeth and curse at. And it's still there. I mean, honestly, it's easy to do. Um, But he says, pray for these folks. Why? Um, So that we may have peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. What does that mean? He says, listen, we're praying for folks First off, so that we can become people who are, well, so that we have a peaceful and quiet life, meaning, like, live your life. Do what you're supposed to do, right? Um, I, I watch everywhere on the Internet right now, and it seems like half the world, and a lot of them are Christians, are saying, well, it's time that we pick up guns and fight people. It's not really what we're told to do. We're prayed to, like, go about our business and love our neighbor and you name it, right? This is what we're called to do. We're not called to hate people. We're not called to curse them. We're called to pray for folks. We're called to like love people even when we don't want to love them. And so we're supposed to be praying so that we have this peaceful and quiet life. And honestly, half the times in our culture, it's very unlikely that anybody's going to come and arrest me. It might happen. Um, but it's very unlikely that I'll be arrested for preaching out of the scriptures this morning, right? I'm thankful for that. And I'm going to pray that that keeps up, right? But God's will be done. Um, So we don't have to worry about, oh, I'm going to be arrested or lose my house, which did happen in the first century frequently. Um, These folks are praying for a quiet life because they they probably didn't get it very often. I mean, they were misunderstood by their neighbors. They were hated by folks. You could actually file a lawsuit against a Christian in the first century while Paul is writing this. You could just accuse them of being a Christian. And as the filer of the lawsuit, you could take possession of their property. So guess how often that happened? All the time. So why were these folks asking for a peaceful life? Because they weren't getting it. Um, For us, a lot of times, I think our quiet is in other places. I'm reading a book on, or I'm listening to some lectures on stress and how often folks just kill themselves worrying, right? Um, The second leading cause of death in this this country right now is people, like, is, is, is illnesses related to stress. Um, and eating too much, but that's a different sermon. Um, so we pray for peace. We pray to trust God. We pray for these moments. My daughter gave me, I was on my way to Great Falls. Anybody know what I got? Oh, this, was, this made my week. This, I carried a glow stick around all week. My daughter gave it to me. She knew I was going to Great Falls. She knew I was a little worried. She knew I wouldn't talk to her about it, Right? And so she, as I was leaving the house early, early, early on Tuesday morning, she caught me and she said, Dad, take this. And she gave me her glow stick. She had a glow stick from the night before she went to bed with it, right? And she said, Dad, when you're out there in the dark and it's scary, this will help you see where you're going. It'll make you not afraid, right? And I carried that thing around. I thought, well, that's funny. I stuck it in my pocket. And I was standing on an elevator and I pulled it out, and I looked at it, and I thought, what is that? And I thought, oh, yeah, that's my glow stick. This will help me not be afraid. And honestly, like from the mouths of babes, right, like prayer, part of what prayer gives us is that peace, right? 
If I'm sitting in the dark and I don't know what's coming next, anybody been sitting in the dark, didn't know what was coming next in the recent past? And there's that little worry and fear that sits in your gut and won't leave you alone? That is what prayer is for. Prayer is the light that we light up and we say, you know what, God's got this. God will take care of me. I am 20 minutes in and I'm just finishing the first two verses. Godly and dignified in every way. What's he talking about? He's saying, listen, part of prayer is to become holy and to live a life that people look at it and they say, that's what it's like to be a Christian. This is what you're called to do, right? Um, You're called to have peace because God's got this. And you're called to, like, literally to be holy. Um, So we go on. I still can't move my slides. Um, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, a quick digression here. Paul writes his letters. A lot of the people in this church were formerly Jewish and they didn't like non-Jewish people. Got it? They weren't us. And so when Paul starts out and says, pray for everyone, and then he says, pray for everyone because God loves them and he wants them to be saved, guess what? He's saying, like, these are people that are precious to God and he loves them and we need to try and, like, like, keep them in that place in our heart. If God desires to save someone, it is not acceptable for me to hate them, is it? It's not acceptable for me to, like, my stomach fill up with, or my mouth fill up with bile every time I think about them. Um, and so, as we pray for folks, we recognize that, like, this is what God wants us to do because we're praying in harmony with what he wants. I used to talk to kids who came out of jail all the time, and they would say, you know what, I prayed that God would just let me go. And God let them go by sending them to rehab. And they're like, this isn't what I wanted. Guess what, learn to pray the way God wants you to pray, and you'll get what you want every time. You should have prayed to go to rehab. (laughs) Then he would have done what you wanted. Um, But he's saying, listen, pray pray in harmony with God's will. Pray for your neighbors. Love them. Can you bump me forward? I'm not sure I'm going to be... Oh, I screwed it up. Sorry. Um, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Ransom is an economic term used to refer to buying away prisoners of war. Right? So like if Fort Benton were to come through and fight a war with us, it's unlikely. But, you know, it's Fort Benton, so... You really know. Um, and after our war, they were to haul off a handful of people and take them away as prisoners. To get them back, we would have to pay a ransom. That's what this is referring to. And so, like, for us in the war with sin, with the war with death, like, Christ redeems us. He buys us out. He ransoms us out. And so Paul says, listen, one God, Jesus stands between us and him and makes us right before him, makes us innocent because he gave himself as a ransom. And so love your neighbor, love the folks around you, be a witness to them. Um, Seven, one more verse after this. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth and I'm not lying, a teacher to the Gentiles in faith and in truth. So Paul says, hey, this is the very reason I was sent out here. I was sent out here to take care of the folks that don't know him, right? Like the non-Jewish folks. I'm here to preach to everybody. And guess what? You guys get to inherit that job, men. I'm still talking to men. It's less emphasized. Next verse, we'll get there. Men, your job, your job, your job is everybody out there. Serve, love, preach the gospel, 
demonstrate Christ to everything. First and foremost, it is pray. You ain't praying for your neighbors, got a problem. Um, and that's hard because, you know, honestly, when I pray, I struggle. The first thing I go to is, God, here are the things I'm struggling with. And, like, I try not to pray about myself until last because I'm not number one. But it's really hard. I start praying about things, and I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, God, I'm really, oh, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> um, but the reality is that folks who don't know him, we're sent to help them. We're sent to serve them. We're sent to love them. And it is the job of the men of the church. And oftentimes the church fails to do this because we're out there trying to push our own combine. Saying, well, I'll get all this stuff in. I'll get the grain in. I'll do this. I don't think I could push a combine out of park. Um, they do have a parking brake, right? Nobody answered. <laughs> Last verse. <laughs> I desire. So now Paul gives this early instruction about prayer to everyone, right? And now he transitions in the second half of the teaching. He says, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. So now he gives a seven-verse lecture on praying for everyone and how you're supposed to do it. And then he says, hey, men, to you specifically, you need to pray everywhere. You need to lift your hands. We don't lift our hands when we pray. For Jewish people, when they lifted their hands when they prayed, it was a promise to God the work of my hands will match what I'm saying and where my heart is, right? I will be holy and I will do what I'm saying, right? And so when Paul says, listen, everywhere you go, men, you should be praying. This is your job. This is of first importance. This is a priority. Pray, 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 pray. As much as you want to do everything yourself, pray. As much as you think, I, I got this, Pray. As much as you think I'm too busy to do this, pray. As much as you think if I just try a little harder, none of it's true. If you ain't praying, you ain't going to accomplish. You're going to be stuck. You're going to stay stuck. You're going to stay in the sin that you've been struggling with. You're going to stay in the past that you were like, like soaking in. You're never going to do it. You're never going to accomplish. You're never going to serve your family right. You're never going to be what God intended you to be if prayer is not the thing that you soak in every day. Without anger or quarreling. Um, I've told this story more than once. I'm going to tell a short version. Um, and I, I got a feeling an alarm just went off that I'm almost done. Um, I, there was a fellow that I could not stand, and I started praying for him. I was at work, and I started praying for him, and I started praying for him, and I started praying for him. And then one day, like after praying for him for a little while, I had this realization. Like, what does this guy see when he looks at me? Does he see Jesus? Nope, sees a guy with a temper, right? Sees a guy who's at odds with him. Sees a guy who fights him about everything at work, right? Um, and in that moment, prayer taught me that I needed to not have anger and not quarrel. And so as we pray, we pray for each other. We love each other. We do it putting away our anger and our, our fighting. And it's easy for men to do, isn't it? Guys, how much do you like being angry about stuff? Or even just crabby, right? Crabby is easy. Crabby is powerful. Crabby is effective. It is. Crabby, when I get up in the morning, don't talk to me until I have my two cups of coffee. Maybe four. He says, pray all the time, lifting your holy hands, making sure that your life matches what you're saying. My challenge for you, gentlemen, if you want to be a man after God's own heart, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to do this, this is about prayer. Um, 
I can address this to men because in the next passage, the next two verses, he tells women not to dress like prostitutes. Um, Not making that up. That is actually what he says. I'm... um, (laughs) Um, because it's what they were doing at the time. And so, like, this is designated to men. You should be praying, guys. Um, all the time, every day. We're going to close with a blessing and a prayer. And then I will let you all go since I am very long today. I spent forever on the first verse. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, Stand up, please. I thought <laughs> everybody will follow Roberta. I. May the God, may the God who created you and saved you with the blood of his son, may the God who loves you more than anything and desires for you to grow into something better than you are today, um, to be like him, to be holy and righteous, may that God help you to come to him in prayer every day. Um, May he hear your prayer. Um, May you be somebody who realizes that accomplishment is only made with God's hand on it. Amen.